Century number 10 for Brendan Taylor. Adams has got the Australian captain. We're talking about Rivada, we're talking about how good he is. And there it is. It's 39th One Day International 100. The King gets his crown at the Adelaide Oval. Go on, Tegan! Deep mid-wigan. Glenn Maxwell celebrates Eric Cole. He cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the DNet Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Well, I'm never entirely sure about the expert analysis, but very kind of you to say so. So, uh, But what I am uh, very sure about is that it, it's always a great pleasure to be talking to you. A very warm welcome to the podcast. It's been a while, but it is so, so good to be back. Right, so uh, let's get straight into the meat and potatoes of the show, shall we? Our first port of call is uh, we'll be catching up with somebody who really has been uh, probably the most consistent out of all the Zimbabwe cricketers um, in this particular tour that Bangladesh has had of Zimbabwe. His wicket-keeping has been superb and his batting has been uh, reasonably consistent as well. He's been around in the system for a long time. He's been in and out of teams and I often feel that lots of times people have unfairly targeted him because uh, sometimes when he's batted down the order, he hasn't really been able to contribute the way he would have liked. So up the order he's come due to the likes of Craig Irvin and Sean Williams not being there, and he has given a very, very good account of himself, especially with wickets falling around him around him at regular intervals. I'm, of course, referring to Zimbabwe's wicketkeeper, batsman Regis Chakava. Now, please bear in mind that this interview was recorded a day before the first T20 international got underway. And I first of all started off by asking Regis Chakava how frustrating it must be for he and the team to have got Bangladesh into trouble on quite a few occasions, but not being able to finish them off. Yes, um, it can be, you know, a bit frustrating for sure. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, going forward, the, the positive thing that we can sort of take out from from this series so far, you know, is that we were on and up and, you know, trend, especially with the bat, you know, and um, I think the more that we can get into those sort of close situations, you know, we keep picking up the lessons from those games and, you know, hopefully when we get into more situations like that, you know, when, when we then cross the line, you know, we'll pick up more lessons again and we'll, we'll start crossing the line, you know, more than we're doing now. So hopefully, you know, that's that's what we will be looking to do going forward. Um, but yeah, it is frustrating for sure to get into, you know, into those close calls and not, uh, not cross the line. I, I just wonder how it, it will be to actually uh, cross that line, what it will take to actually cross the line, because, you know, it, it must become a little disorientating and, and almost you, you continuously fall into those bad habits of, of getting into those strong positions and not being able to finish it off. So, you know, you wonder how, the, how you'll find the method to overcome those obstacles and then cross the line. Yeah, I think, you know, we we always talking in the changing room about how, you know, quite often when we sit back down and, and look at the game, you know, they they're always these little one percenters, you know, that um we wouldn't have executed as, as well as we should have on the day, you know. And so I think it's it's just about realizing, you know, in those moments that look, this is where the game is and this is what we need to do and you know, um, and really just try to, to execute it as, you know, a, a bit better in those kind of situations. And so we'll definitely be, you know, be working 
uh, a, a lot harder as well before Ireland, you know, to, to make sure when we get into those situations, we try to improve on those one percenters. Uh, one thing that has just been unbelievably good to watch, Reggie, is your the the way that you've developed and and really seem to have gotten to some incredibly good form here against Bangladesh, not only with the bat, but with the gloves as well. You've taken some brilliant catches. Your keeping in general has been very, very sound. Um, but now you're batting. I want to talk a bit about your batting. Are you happier batting up the order? You know, because there's always this little um, cons- there's this theory that wicked keeper batsmen, because of the workload in test matches, should be batting at about number seven. And, you know, we, we've seen that. But to me personally, and please stand, uh, correct me if you if you have to, but it seems you batting up the order has been the best thing that has happened to you, even in the test matches. Well, yeah, so I suppose, you know, to, to answer the question, generally, you know, I'm, I'm the sort of guy that, you know, that uh, always wants to bet, you know, as high up the order as I can, you know, so I can give myself the best chance to, to score runs, you know. So personally, I do enjoy betting up the order. Uh, but like you said, sometimes, especially in test cricket, um, you know, if we, if we were to be in, a, in the sort of situation where we play a lot of games, then it might be a bit tricky to, you know, to do that betting up quite high up the order because, you know, the workload might be a little bit too much. Um, but, you know, uh, again, you know, I'm just always looking for opportunities to to bet high up the order. And, you know, that, that always, uh, usually it means, you know, the best chance to, to try and bet long and score some runs. So, that's what I prefer, and um, you know, I'm always in in touch with the coaches and talking about where to bet this and that. Because sometimes, um, you know, the team dynamics might not necessarily mean that I might be able to bet up the order sometimes. So, you know, it's always a it's not always a clear cut case, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's something that I do enjoy doing, and um, you know, I'm. I'm obviously a bit happy that, you know, lately I've managed to score a bit, but, you know, there's always lots of room for improvement. Would you say you are perhaps in the form of your life at the moment? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I can say in the form of my life as such, but, <laughs> you know, I suppose you could say that, I, you know, I've just been in the kind of space where, you know, um, mentally things have just kind of been coming right, you know, in terms of being in a good space uh, and also just trying to to use as much of, you know, all the things I've learned over time. And uh, I suppose one of the, the, you know, bigger things for me was the decision to just try and be a bit more of a dynamic player and looking at how international cricket is going nowadays, you know, and so just working really hard to, to try and be as dynamic as possible. And so... You know, it's nice that, um, you know, all that work is kind of come, you know, has yielded, a, a, you know, a bit of good form for me lately. And so hopefully I just keep on, you know, working hard on that track. Um, are there certain shots, Reggie, that you guys practice? Because what I've noticed of late is that a couple of shots that you're beginning to play with regularity of the, the fast bowlers are the scoop shot. So in other words, working or walking across to the offside and then, you know, just playing the flick, pick up scoop. But then another shot yeah. that you've suddenly developed is this incredible stroke where you almost guide the ball over point or third man for six. So, you know, it doesn't really look like a full-blooded cut shot. 
um, like something like a Verenda Sewag would do, but it's more of a of a timed stroke over third man or point. It, it, are, are these shots that you practice because you're playing them so well at the moment? Um, I can well definitely. You know, there are certain moments in you know during our practices where you have to practice as much of you know what you you would want to you know, do out in the middle, especially with the scoop shot. You know, I, I work on that a lot to try and have the confidence to to do it out in the middle, you know. Um, but yeah, and, uh, with with sort of like the, you know, the cut of a, of a sort of point third man that you mentioned, um, it's something that I can't say comes a lot into practice, but I think, you know, because generally you're trying to be positive, you know, sometimes in the situation you end up playing particular shots, you know, um, because the opportunity presents itself, but uh, you know it's always good to to try and work on as much as as you you can, you know, to try and build up that confidence to execute it in the middle. I mean, you just personally seem to be in a very good headspace at the moment, because regardless of where you've batted in the first one international, you batted at five, scored a very good fifty-four while wickets were tumbling around you. Uh, number three, you made 26, got a bit unlucky with the ball being bowled through the gate. And then that 84 that you scored in the third one-day international, you opened the batting. I mean, everything that you're doing at the moment just seems to be so dynamical. So you don't seem to be out of place, regardless of whether they ask you to open the batting or bat at number five. I mean, has a lot of that got to do with, with mental attitude just to say, well, they put me in this position and I'm going to try and make the most the most of where I'm where I'm batting. Um, it has a lot to do with that as well. I think um, you know one of the helpful things you know has been that uh, generally you know throughout my career I've batted you know up the order, I've batted down the order. I've literally you know batted any everywhere apart from maybe number ten and eleven, I think. <laughs> and so you know I've had sort of good time to learn. Um, you know what needs to be done in the in the sort of different bearing positions, and so I've been able to adjust, uh, you know, uh, fairly well in this, you know, in the recent past. And so I think more than anything, that has you know helped me to to sort of gel into whatever position I've been asked to, you know, and obviously always trying my best to to play as as well as I can in that particular role. But I think that's probably been the major reason, you know, just having vetted in so many different positions over time and, you know, just try to use that experience as much as I can. And, and what about your keeping? Because I know that you and I many times have spoken, obviously, when, you know, off air, so to speak. And, you know, you, you always were telling me that you had a bit of a problem taking balls down the leg side. That seems to be something of the past now. Have you been spending time with somebody who's helped you sort that problem out or is it just something that you've worked out for yourself as you've matured and got older? Yeah, um, it, it's definitely something that I've, you know, just uh, worked hard over time with. I think it's, uh, for me, I think the big thing, especially at this time, you know, has just been that um, hunger and, and desire to, to improve and to do well, you know, and I think just as I've been getting a bit older, you know, you start to learn a bit more about yourself, about your body, what you can't do, what you can do, and and just trying to, you know, um, to improve those skills as, as much as possible. And I think the probably the biggest thing really is, you know, that I've always enjoyed keeping, and you know, so I'm always looking to 
to try and improve in my own little space, you know, and especially having younger guys around that I train with, you know, um, I'm always trying to sort of challenge myself to say, look, I can still move better than you and I can still do this better than you in a teasing way sometimes. Of course, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I just enjoy keeping a lot and, you know, always wanting to, to be one step better. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously now we, we have the three T20 matches coming up. Very, very important to try and get some form of momentum. Um, I would imagine it's something that you're looking forward to very much. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, um, you know, it's been nice to, to see the sort of upward trend that we had coming up with the one-day games. You know, sadly, we, we ended up not picking up any points in that. But I would say as a team, you know, we 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 a bit we quite confident going into the T20s now, you know, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll put up a good show. Obviously, we're also looking at it as a build-up towards Ireland, you know, so... I think there will be a lot to to take out from this series as we go into. Reggie, um, I, I just briefly want to talk about the younger players. We've seen some incredibly well players who really have a huge potential. Dion Myers, obviously, is is one who springs to mind, and Tadeo Nashamarumane as well. Uh, but in you know, particular, we see Dion, and um, I'm just wondering the because a lot of people feel that as talented as these youngsters are. They, there's this term that they use that they feel that they're a little bit half baked. <laughs> I must admit, I've never heard of this particular expression before. But anyway, I mean, um, talk to me about the importance of preparing these youngsters so that they don't come into the side half baked. So, in other words, performing well at domestic level, not getting, you know, so in other words, you see players getting starts even in domestic level and then getting out. Um, so, in other words, conversion rates is, is so important. And I guess uh, domestic cricket and, and playing for the A side has a very big part to play in ensuring that that gets rectified. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, I think you're right in that it, it plays a huge role. And I think probably, you know, the the biggest challenge for, for us in general has just been, you know, we haven't been able to to get as much uh, game time even in our domestic setup, you know, and especially the last year has been really challenging, you know, with this pandemic um, going on. And so, um, you know, it's been quite a, a challenge for, for all of us, but in particular for the younger players. And it's, you know, I know for sure Zimbabwe Cricket are trying to to set up as many games, especially for the A side as possible, you know, so that they can try and give, you know, these youngsters as much exposure as possible. You know, um, but yeah, definitely, you know, like you said, there's some great talent within the within the setup, you know, and uh, it will definitely be, you know, it, it's exciting, uh, you know, for the future going forward. And what we want to make sure, though, is that we don't uh, have a situation where, you know, they show promise and potential, but are unable to convert throughout their career. I just watched your progression, which which has just been unbelievably good to to watch. But uh, just as we conclude, Reggie, you've got quite a bit that you need to do. Um, the tour to Ireland, it's a couple of one days again. Uh, are, are these Super League games as well? Um, yes, they should be Super League games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, but it, it, I think, uh, like you said, you know, it's quite an, an important tour because, you know, um, we we obviously need to you know, make sure that we, we stay on that upward trend. You know, um, the last time we were in Ireland, we had quite a, a tough time there. 
you know, and so we'll be looking to try and rectify that this time around. And I think this tour against Bangladesh has been a good building block for that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we just uh, keep on that upward, you know, push. You're listening to Dean at Stumps, hosted by Dean Duplessis. Uh, yeah, what a great guy he is. Regis Chakava talking about his current form, the frustrations of not being able to win games when getting themselves into good positions. And uh, we just hope that he will be all right for that third and final T20 international. Got a bit of a heel and an ankle problem, which is why Tadiw and Ashimarumani had to keep wicket. But uh, fingers crossed that he is absolutely 100% because he's uh, in good form, well, consistently, well, consistently from a Zimbabwean perspective, scoring runs. And um, obviously, I think just his experience and input in the side would be something very, very special indeed. Right now, if you've been watching the series, the ongoing series between Bangladesh and Zimbabwe, you certainly would hear a gentleman who has a very kind and at times a bit of a mischievous smile in his voice, a man who's been commentating for a number of years, and who also has a particularly soft spot for Zimbabwe. Now, uh, uh, his first trip to Zimbabwe was way back in 2001, and uh, he then came again in 2004. Hasn't been back since then, but obviously every time Zimbabwe have told Bangladesh, Shamim Chaudhry has very much been a part of the commentary team. Well, it's very great that uh, we now have him back in the country again. And uh, please note that once again, this interview was recorded a day before the first T20 match started, because obviously with bio bubbles and everything, it's very difficult to track the players and officials uh, to get a bit of time of their time. And given the fact that the matches are so close to each other as well. So I caught up with Shamim Chaudhry and uh, had a very, very nice one-on-one conversation with him. Shamim, an absolute pleasure to have you on Dean at Stumps as well. So uh, the three one-day internationals done and dusted and uh, Bangladesh pretty dominant in all the games that we've seen so far, despite a couple of reasonable contributions by a couple of the Zimbabweans. So um, I'd like to just talk to you about the progression of Bangladeshi cricket before we talk about where you think Zimbabwe are going wrong. It amazes me to see now that that the whole team seems to have improved dramatically you know we no longer have a situation where batsmen get promising starts and then throw their wickets away uh, and what what is also very good to see from a bangladeshi perspective is that you are now beginning to develop some genuine good pace bowlers as well something that would have been unheard of even five or six years ago well it's a pleasure to be on your show dean yes indeed uh, you spotted it quite correctly it's it is uh, a great pleasure and a relief to find that Bangladesh are doing well, particularly in the, the one-day format. There are still weak areas, quite a lot to work on uh, when it comes to test matches and also the T20 version. But uh, one day we're very strong. And you're right, just let's let's talk about the pace bowlers. Five years back, we had to, we had to search every nook and cranny of, of the country <laughs> to look for a genuine fast bowler. But now we've got a whole crop of fast bowlers, a whole bank of them, and... Uh, I can uh, tell you that uh, sometimes uh, the, the selectors have to scratch their heads in trying to figure out uh, who to take for, uh, from this array of baseballers, which is fantastic, unheard of a few years back. And that has come about with the, the specific uh, intention of the board in uh, making pitches which are conducive 
and helpful to the pace bowlers, the grassier, bouncier wickets around the country. Uh, not enough, I still feel, but there is an effort to give them that encouragement, and that has resulted in uh, in finding all these pace bowlers. And what it does also is get the batsmen used to um, pace bowlers who are pacey and bouncy. So it's uh, two, two very distinct advantages that you can have when you have pacier, bouncier, greener wickets. So that's been done. That has to be extended. But uh, overall, Bangladesh, what they have achieved now is, we always talk about temperament in cricket. That's one area they lacked, the lack of confidence, lack of patience, yeah. lack of application. But that seems to have just uh, worked out very nicely. They seem to be more confident in their approach and more positive in their approach. And that is why it gives them that luxury of uh, actually applying their skills and their techniques better. So I think in that regard, Bangladesh has uh, improved uh, leaps and bounds. What do you put that improvement down to? Is that is that due to maybe perhaps the coaching staff? For example, I see former West Indian and former England, former South African coach Otis Gibson is here. He was a fine cricketer in his time. You also have uh, Rangana Heroth, the former Sri Lankan left-arm spinner who's part of the spin coaching uh, department. And then you have Ashwell Prince, former South African test middle order batsman who also was a very good uh, cricketer. Do you think that a lot of it has to do with coach, with the correct people in the correct places? Uh, I'm afraid I can't agree with you there. Um, it's only uh, this uh, series that uh, Rangana Herat and Ashwell Prince have been incorporated. So they've right. hardly had any time to coach this. Bus. It's only fine-tuning for a couple of days yes. and give some ideas. But it basically comes from very good basic training back home. The coaching staff, which are underrated, unfortunately, Bangladeshi local coaches are very, very underrated, but they're doing the bulk of the hard work. I'll tell you an instance in the recent past when Shakib Al-Hassan was really out of sorts. He went to the IPL, wasn't getting any runs. Then he rushed back to Dhaka, to the Bangladesh Shikha Pradeshan, which is the BKSP, the Sports Institute, and went back to his mentors, from those days, two Bangladeshis, and uh, they corrected all his faults. They talked to him about the psychological aspect of it, and then he came back a better player. So, you know, it's all right to have overseas uh, uh, coaches, but uh, all they can do is uh, give their ideas and implement their plans and see if it applied on the field. But it really can't do anything about the basic foundation of a player. By the time they get to the national team, the players are already set in their ways. So it's a question of overall management rather than individual improvement of players. So I think, uh, um, fine, overseas coaches are good for short terms, but uh, in the long run, it has got to be the people who are close, the coaches back home who are always nurturing these uh, youngsters coming up, or even the seniors, and uh, tweaking them and fine-tuning them. So... Okay to have big names, but I don't think that is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think what you say makes a great deal of sense, Shamim. Um, but I just want to talk about the difference of the senior players of Bangladesh who, you know, you think, for example, very fine players, Habibul Bashar, 
uh, Mohamed Ashraful as well was obviously was a very good player. And, um, well, there's quite a few of the seniors. But now what we're beginning to see, actually it's not now, what we've seen now for a number of years is the likes of Tamim Iqbal, Shakib Al-Hassan, uh, Mushfiq Rahim and uh, and and the seamers uh, as well the senior seamers Mustafa Zia Rahman when he's when he's obviously not injured that they, they take responsibility you know so what they do is more often than not they ensure that the foundations are laid uh, for to to see Bangladesh over the line be it with the bat and be it with the ball I would imagine that just is that just down to experience and also being part of the various T20 tournaments around the world uh, I don't think it's the T20 tournament that improves the technique of a player, I'm afraid. Well done. I think <laughs> it's the basic foundations of longer version cricket, Lovely. which give them that that uh, that, that uh, thought process, uh, that, that confidence and that improvement in technique. Yes, we, we've depended on uh, five players. You've named three of them. Uh, the two others are Mahmoudullah Riyadh and Mashraf Amortuza, who is now virtually retired and also Mahmoudullah retiring from test cricket as he's announced his intention. So, uh, you know, this dependency on five or six players to take them through is not the right approach. And what Bangladesh need now are for the youngsters to be more consistent in their performances. They're the future of Bangladesh cricket. Uh, the five I've named are not going to be around for more than two or three years. Mm. That's when you're going to need your young bunch of players to come across and uh, uh, put their hands up. And unfortunately, they have been rather inconsistent. And that's one area that uh, the coaching staff or, or the people who matter, the uh, people who plan things uh, will need to work on, is to ensure that uh, there is more consistency in the performance. They're technically pretty adept players. They're pretty good at what they're doing. They've got wonderful styles and everything. Once they're going, you feel that he's not going to get out. But then you, yeah. they do something silly and they get out. These are things that they have to work on. They're young kids and uh, I think they need that guidance, more psychological guidance than sort of uh, technical guidance in the field. It's, it's going to be a combination of both, understandably. But uh, this way you've got to tell your players uh, that uh, T20 cricket isn't all about uh, what cricket is because that gives them a false sense of security, you know, Dean, because of the fact it's bringing them quick money. It doesn't uh, necessitate them to batten down. They don't have to bat for very long. They only have to bowl four overs. So all in all, it doesn't test all the, uh, the aspects yes. of cricket, which Absolutely. test match cricket or longer version cricket does. And I think that's one area that the Bangladesh Cricket Board need to ensure that uh, domestic cricket is more competitive, and uh, more entertaining and more thoughtful with uh, these guys getting together and be uh, prepared to do the long long haul you know it's just just not the shorter version which prepares them for good to be good cricketers but it, you know and, and by the way i had to i, I was being a bit uh, almost a bit sarcastic about the the shorter formats because as you know and you've known me for a very long time uh, the longer version is the best version. It's the best format, and, and, and I think we all understand and appreciate that. But what what um, has really been astonishing to see, or in a good way from a Bangladeshi perspective, is that how they have now been able to 
cement themselves. I mean, they've picked up some really good test wins over the years. And, and you know, you mentioned some of the younger players who do need to start contributing. But to a certain extent, we have seen that. We, of course, remember Mahidi Hassan Miraj's exploits against England a couple of years ago and the way that uh, in, uh, Bangladesh dismantled England and that they dismantled Australia in uh, Dhaka as well. Would I be right in saying that you would like to see the team perform better away from home against quality opposition? Uh, that's the thing. Uh, even Zimbabwe at home are a strong unit and Bangladesh are definitely a much stronger unit at home. But they're so, so dependent on the nature of the wickets and and the overhead conditions. Uh, by that, I mean the weather conditions and also uh, the spinners. And this has to change. I mean, you might have won a couple of test matches, but if you take the stats, we really haven't done that well in, in test matches. It's uh, rather paltry, the wins we've had. We've had once uh, in a while a, a test match win. But uh, you mentioned Media San Miraj is starting off so well against England. But look at him now. It's, it's the lack of consistency that I was mentioning yes. when I was, just a short while back. Amongst these players sort of middling players who have had a few test matches under their belt and the ones coming through. Now, this is to be, if you want to be a world-class cricketer, it has to be consistent. Just a one-off performance uh, once in a while is not going to do your cause or your team's cause that good. So this is where Bangladesh are still lacking and uh, this is where that uh, they need to improve. So... That's the way it goes, unfortunately. Yes, it is. Uh, and now let's talk a bit about the Bangladesh-Zimbabwe series. I think things uh, have gone pretty much according to the way we expected. I mean, you, you say that Zimbabwe are a good side at home. But one thing from a Zimbabwean perspective that is very frustrating is that they, on a number of occasions, have got Bangladesh into a serious amount of trouble. But Bangladesh have managed to find a way out of that trouble, recover, and then put Zimbabwe firmly on the back foot. You know, even if you consider the third and final game, it was slightly closer because Bangladesh lost five wickets. But generally speaking, you know, it wasn't much trouble chasing down 299, admittedly on a very, very good batting pitch. So um, there is still this misconception that contests between Zimbabwe and Bangladesh are what they used to be, say, 16 or 17 years ago. But that's no longer the case because Bangladesh have beaten Zimbabwe in Bangladesh and they've now come to Zimbabwe. And again, they've beaten them. And if you look at it actually pretty comfortably, maybe a few hiccups on the way from a Bangladeshi perspective. But at the end of the day, it's a comprehensive 220-run win in the Test match and a very comfortable 3-0 series win in the One Day Internationals, which surely means that Bangladesh are now by far and away the better side, regardless of the conditions that you mentioned. Uh, yes, I'm afraid I have to agree with that. Uh, I've always had a soft corner for Zimbabwe since I came here first, about 20 years back. And I, I really feel sad to see the state of affairs of the game. But there are prospects. Uh, I'm not saying it, it, it's all over and done with, but there are a lot of youngsters coming through. They need to be given the exposure. I don't think there's enough. And uh, COVID uh, protocols haven't really allowed that much cricket to be played. I still feel there are a lot of lot of youngsters coming through who can uh, make a name for themselves. Yes, it's it's quite true that there's a difference uh, of standards at the moment, unfortunately, between Bangladeshi players and the Zimbabwean players. And another malaise that 
Bangladesh used to have in the olden days, I see very noticeably in Zimbabwe now, is the fact they can't go for the juggler. Mm. They put themselves into a, a position of strength, but they cannot continue with it. They just let go. They just fall apart. And these are areas, if they can correct, and if they can uh, maintain uh, a standard uh, uniformly, I think uh, there is scope for improvement. But uh, I have to agree that a long way to go for Zimbabwe but cricket. They need, they need uh, more tutelage, I think, more support from the board, more exposure to international conditions at different levels. And if that continuity is not mentioned, I'm afraid it's going to be very difficult for them to sustain themselves in, in the world arena. Because, Shamim, it seems to me that Zimbabwe actually have not progressed in terms of their younger players. And I say that because when the predominantly well, rebel players, white players, whatever you'd like to call them, walked out on the board back in 2004, and we suddenly had a situation where we had very young uh, and talented players came, uh, coming up into the into the side. You know, we, we you, uh, having watched Zimbabwe a lot, would have seen batsmen and bowlers make the same, or make those mistakes back in the early 2000s. But it, it seemed like many years later, those same mistakes are still being made by the next crop of younger players. And to be quite frank, even some of the older players who've been around, you know, you look at the way that Brendan Taylor's batting at the moment, looks good, but has been responsible for getting himself out on every single occasion in the series. Yeah, that's uh, one area I suppose you could be right. But you know what? What I feel is uh, you've got to uh, play with what you've got. Now, maybe, uh, you know, there are teams like Ireland, Netherlands, Afghanistan is an example where suddenly they've got a, uh, a team who are nowhere, but suddenly they've come through uh, right to the top of uh, at least the T20 format. And this, this has come from the individual abilities of the player more than anything either done by the board. Like for Afghanistan, it's a, it's a war-torn country. They hardly get a chance to play at home. They don't have a proper league. And they have to, their home base is in India. Despite all that, they're such a very good team. Yeah. So you've got to accept the fact maybe uh, it's not a good thing, acceptance of mediocrity. But at times you have to do that and work on it. And that's what's happening to... The Zimbabwean players at the moment, the, the non-performance may come from the fact that they're not confident enough. Technical abilities need to be corrected. More coaching has to be done. Maybe more money spent on coaches, overseas coaches. Uh, doing a long run, you know, just bringing in coaches for a month or two and then sending them away, that's not going to work. It has to be someone who can work with these younger guys for a long period of time. You get a good competitive domestic uh, league going competitive is the word and uh, you try and bring in which is going to be very difficult try and bring in overseas players to interact with them if they don't get a chance to go abroad on a regular basis it's all very difficult but you just cannot give up hope Zimbabwe has been such a cricketing force if I, I might call it a force it used to be a force at one time mm. but a unit of the international community and they've got to stay that way. They've got to make every effort. There are a lot of aspects, a lot of points that to ponder about, but you just need to pattern down and keep on going and try and improve uh, 
the overall cricketing standards. And then to conclude, Shamim, we have three T20 internationals getting underway. What do you think, how do you think the outcome with this will be, given the fact that T20 cricket is a bit more, the playing field is a bit more level? I personally feel that Bangladesh just simply have the wood on Zimbabwe, and I, I think we may have a 3 0, maybe perhaps a 2 1 favour. Uh, in Bangladesh, but uh, I, I I'd like to hear your opinion. What, how you think this will go? Well, I wouldn't like to predict the result, but I tell you what, it's going to be much closer than it, what it has been in ter- with the Test matches and the One Day Internationals, because Bangladesh, this is Bangladesh's weakest format, no question about that. We have the lack of so-called power hitters in, in our team, and uh, the consistency needed for some accurate bowling from thoughtful bowling, uh, I think uh, leaves a little to be desired in that area. So uh, all in all, I, I, I think some of the Zimbabwe players are pretty strong hitters of the ball. And if they get going, I think uh, Bangladesh might be in for a few surprises here. You're listening to Dean at Stumps, hosted by Dean Duplessis. So fantastic insights in by Shamim Chaudhry, the uh, visiting commentator from Bangladesh. Well, it's all nicely set up, that is for sure, because after being completely outplayed in the first T20 international, Zimbabwe found a way back. And they're really worth mentioning Wesley Madavere and Wellington Masakaza, who put in some uh, superb performances, nicely backed up by Dion Myers as well. Uh, In fact, everybody actually played some very good cricket at some point. Right, so uh, there you are. Thank you very much indeed for listening to the D-Nut Stumps podcast. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure to be with you as always. And uh, we will be back again very, very soon. So enjoy the rest of the series. Well, there's just one more game to go, isn't there? And then Zimbabwe will be preparing for their all-important trip to Ireland a little later on in the month going into August. Thank you very much indeed for listening to the podcast and uh, we'll be back pretty soon. Until next time, stay safe. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast. 